considering they've won the FA Cup 18 times between them, it's remarkable that old Manchester foes City and United have never met in an FA Cup final. But that all changes on Saturday as red takes on blue. Can Pep Guardiola's machine emulate the United side of 1999 by winning the treble? Or will Eric Ten Hag's Red Devils add the FA Cup to the League Cup they've already won in the Dutchman's first season at the helm? It's going to be fun finding out. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Big games need the big names. We've certainly got those in our top tipping team, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, these two have had a derby win each in the league this season, but City, the odds on favourites here at Wembley, and that's no big surprise. No, not at all, really. Uh, 155 on the exchange to, to win this match in 90 minutes, which I think is probably fair enough considering. The prices Man City ordinarily go off in Premier League matches against all ranges of opposition, as well as the Champions League, where we saw them as uh, you know well-backed favourites away in Bayern Munich, for example. Uh, Man United, obviously, at Wembley not so long ago against Brighton in the FA Cup semi-finals, went off as outsiders. So we always expected City to be strong favourites here. They have won four of the last six head-to-head meetings too. But under Ten Hag, as you say, it's a win apiece. Um, 6-3 earlier in the season and then to 2-1 at Old Trafford. Um, and United, you know, that 6-3 came in the very early stages, really, of of Ten Hag's reign. And we did see immeasurable improvement, really, thereafter, because they were much more efficient, much more effective, rather than sort of dominant or or conquering in the way sort of a city style would be. But they uh, they did pick up thereafter and had a decent season, really. Um, I think uh, if they were able to to claim this trophy, it's got to be considered a very, very successful first season for Ten Hag with Champions League football on the horizon, too. Um, The issue I have with United and, and their campaign so far has been the sort of black and white between home and away form because at Old Trafford they have been close to imperious really domestically um, easily the best defence in the division an excellent points return as well they only dropped nine points at home all season and conceded just 10 goals but away from home they've not always convinced especially when travelling to the the bigger more elite teams just eight wins away from home in the Premier League all season and they ended up with just seven points from their last seven away games too so that record at the top nine was was well documented throughout the campaign but seven defeats from eight winless games you know it's pretty pretty poor and uh, as we say that was kind of emphasised in the fact that they went off as outsiders against Brighton here not long ago they only had 39% of the ball that day and really had to sort of grind that game out to get to penalties so I do have kind kind of concerns about United but I don't want to write them off immediately either because you look at the spine of the side and whilst there are question marks over De Gea, Bruno has recovered really, really well since that Anfield debacle. Rashford's had a, an exceptional season. Varane's available again. Casemiro's made an enormous difference to that midfield. They are a decent team. They have got a very quali- a gluttony of like really quality players, quality operators. So they're not going to just roll over here. But um, I think you have to still be quite pro-City because their top speed, their top gear is just unmatched by any side, not just in England, but across the planet and we've seen that in the Champions League really and, and since then they've been able to rest and rotate their squad with the two finals in mind um, that performance against Real Madrid in the second leg was was flawless really and um, you know the players are fit and fresh and raring to go really and you know what I would say about City if you want to be negative is, is their away record has you know you can pick holes in that away record as well Premier League wise uh, they didn't win away I don't think in the Champions League in any of their knockout ties 
Uh, and in the Premier League against the same top nine. They only won once, actually, on the road in the Premier League, which is quite surprising. It was that win away at Arsenal, scoring 34 goals in 19 away days, which is very good on paper, but is um, chalk and cheese compared to their Etihad form in the Premier League too. So domestically, we have seen them at times struggle against low blocks, struggle when they haven't moved the ball quick enough, um, and struggle sometimes to get Haaland involved against those kind of deep line defences too. So there are question marks here. So if United can get their tactical game plan on point, they need to be obviously incredibly efficient in the final third, but they do possess the speed City team. Saying all that, <laughs> I am going to be pro, you know, pro City <laughs> because I think it's difficult not to be. And what kind of seduced me to take the over the line really for being with Man City was the price on Man City to win and under four and a half goals, which comes in around 10 to 11 now. It was about even money earlier in the week, which is a tremendous price, a huge boost on the City just to win, considering we're covering all the likeliest correct scores here of 1 0, 2 0, 3 0, 4 0, 2 1 or 3 1. This is a cup final. After all, seven of the last 10 domestic cup finals have gone under two and a half goals. 16 of the last 25 FA Cup finals have gone unders, and only two of those 25 featured five goals or more. And actually, if you look at teams to win the match in 90 minutes, it's happened just once since 1979 that a team has won and there's been five goals or more in that game. And that was actually Man City's win against Watford, who, as we know, it was a bit of a walkover win that day. It's incomparable, really, to, to hosting or to playing Manchester United in a derby in the FA Cup final. So I think it can be quite close competitive, but I would still back City, give them the edge. Um, and then elsewhere, I think there's there's value to be had as well in the prop markets. Um, you can get 11 to 10 on Bruno Fernandes, Aaron Wambasaka and Bernardo Silva all to commit just one foul each. You're not asking for a huge amount there at all. Bruno always seems to be amongst it in the big games. He's been, um, you know, he's been, uh, he's committed a foul at least once in all of his last six against Man City. Wambasaka likely to be up against Grealish. You know, no need to sort of elaborate on that point. And then there's Bernardo Silva. Well, everybody is... kicks Grealish, don't they? <laughs> exactly. Whoever's on that side is going to kick him uh, at least once or twice. Casemiro, I'm sure, will be, but. I think he's about 1-16 to 16 just to commit a foul. But Wan-Bissaka is a much more palatable price. And uh, and then it's Bernardo as well, who's committed at least one foul in 16 of his last 17 starts. So uh, I think putting the three together, 11-10, to 10, that's quite an attractive price when you're not asking for a huge amount over the 90 minutes. Now, in any long-running series, it's not unusual to see a fair bit of character development. That certainly happened with our next tipster. The dashing doctor of data has got married and then had a delightful daughter. Jake Oscarthorpe has switched the XG robots back on after a break from the action. He's back with us. First of all, Jake, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, a bit tired. But other than that, all right. You know, you'll you'll know the first few weeks uh, of having a baby. It's, it's fairly, especially when, the you know, the, the, there's not much the dad can do. It's kind of happened at a good time for me. There's been a lot of football. You're getting those excuses in already, right? Oh, well, there's not much I can do. I can exactly, help a bit, yeah. but right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it, the end of the season. Um, I think I've watched more football than I have for across the entire season. So, um, yeah, just being glued to the telly and, and she's been watching it with us. Also, she seems to be a bit of a lucky charm for Sheffield Wednesday. She's come out and we've done something that we've never done before. And that's actually do something good, actually get promoted and do it in a kind of style that's very un-Sheffield Wednesday-like. So, yeah, um, she is a Sheffield Wednesday fan now. I was quite worried that that wasn't going to be the case. But um, You know yeah, you can't she, tattoo she can't a baby, back. right? You can't be sticking that owl on her arm already. You well, know she that, told me you, that right? two weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> classic, <laughs> no, she, impulsive Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, no, she, she's great. She's doing well. Mum's doing well. 
um and that yeah that's the that's the most important thing it's it's been really really fun so far um yeah looking forward to this game i think it's going to be a very interesting encounter uh, i've actually got the same bet down as mark like not once but twice i've actually got a similar bet builder as well um so i'll keep it very brief here yeah the city to win and under four and a half goals um all the reasons mark's highlighted defensively they've been excellent this season uh the only team in the premier league to concede fewer than one expected goal against per game um, and as Mark alluded to, Man United, when travelling, have been absolutely shocking against the big boys, particularly at the back. Um, and I know this is a neutral venue, but it's still away from Old Trafford. Um, you know, they, they shipped famously seven at Liverpool, six in the reverse at City, three at Arsenal. They conceded two at Spurs, who were rubbish, um, and two at Newcastle as well. So, yeah, there, there's there's that defence, it, it's improving, it's getting better. But when they play against the better teams, they have been found out. And I think that this... It will be a bit of a fine margin game. I think City's quality will tell. Um, so, yeah, the same bet for me, City winning under four and a half. And then the bet builder as well. I've got Fernandez, I've got Bernardo Silva, but instead of Wan-Bissaka, I threw under four and a half goals in the bet builder and it came out at 2.13. So, um, yeah, a couple of different options there. If you want a straight foul one, you can take Marks and add Wan-Bissaka. If you want, um, you know, throw in the unders and, and take away one of the, the players, then that, that's also doable. But should be a bit of a feisty game. Um, and, yeah, the, the two Portuguese guys there, they're good for fouls, aren't they? I mean, Fernandez has averaged 1.1 foul per game this season. He got three fouls when he played Man City last time. Um, and Bernardo's averaging 0.9 fouls across the season. Uh, and also picked up one when playing in a, at what would probably be described as a deeper role um, at the Etihad in the first meeting between the sides. So now that he's playing a bit higher up and doing a bit more pressing, I'd expect a couple of fouls from him on the weekend. And never stops moving, that man. Last but not least, tipster, trader and one of the greatest salsa dancers the Emerald Isle has ever seen. Emmett O'Keefe is with us. Uh, Emmett, of course, we know you're a serious betting aficionado. That's that's written in stone. But how is the United fan feeling about all of this? I'm quite nervous. I think this is... <laughs> thought is, you might be. Yeah, I, like this reminds me of kind of... Um, kind of some of the 90s and early 2000s FA Cup finals when the FA Cup final was the kind of generally the biggest fixture in the English kind of football and calendar. Maybe it's because of my minded persuasion, but the stakes here feel absolutely enormous. Like the, I think, like if, if my United could pull, pull off the opposite here, it would be, it would be clearly the, the kind of the, the best result in, in the post-Ferguson era. And it would hope um, potentially, I think probably psychologically dense city ahead of ahead of the match next week, uh, as as good as city have been, like it, it's kind of you you kind of, you kind of never know how much kind of an emotional letdown or how a kind of a kind of a kind of a, 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 a kind of a bad result will will affect them. I guess my crumbs for comfort here for United are United have actually won five of their last eleven matches against Man City. Very few teams can actually boast a record again as good as that against Pep Guardiola's team. Um, I was yeah, my City are one fifty five to win the match here against Man United compared to one forty seven next week in Central Milan, and I, I thought that was interesting in the sense that the expected goals models would have United as the sixth best team in England, and as we mentioned on the podcast before, Inter are kind of a similar le level to Napoli as one of the best teams in Serie A by expected goals. So I kind of I do think the fact that the familiarity and United's kind of previous record is kind of baked into the price, um, like because despite because on recent form United obviously have, have have very little chance, 
like since City have turned into kind of John Wick mode since the end of February, <laughs> they, they've been killing everything in sight with kind of various equally effective methods of destruction, taking out their last two meaningless Premier League matches. They've won 12 straight in the Premier League. They won their three home matches in the Champions League, three home knockout matches in the Champions League by a combined 14-0 against really good opposition. Well, Leipzig a pretty good opposition and then strong opposition in Bayern Munich and, and Real Madrid. However, having said all that, like I think as we've seen in previous FA Cup finals, these kind of these games can be a bit of a law to them, themselves and go against the form book. Just in say, the last 10 years in FA Cup finals, we've seen Hull draw and nearly beat Arsenal, which would have been a massive upset. Palace take my night extra time. Arsenal beat a kind of Antonio Conte's kind of excellent Chelsea team as an underdog with kind of Per Mertesacker having the game of his life. And like Leicester actually and a couple of years ago beating a really good Chelsea team that would actually go on and win the Champions League. So obviously I think if we see City's A game, they could easily take take United apart. But just I I a combination of United's previous records and and uh, and the fact as well that we've seen United probably could have set up well and contained quite good attacks in some of the big games this season. Like they contained, they um, they went through in the semi-final against Brighton after kind of a goalless draw, but they didn't, uh, it was a limited performance from United, but they did nullify a really, really strong Brighton attack that has been all conquering and, and kind of scored heavily against most sides. They held Newcastle to nil in the League Cup final. Again, very few teams done that against Newcastle this season. So I, I just, I don't think it's uh, the realms of possibility the United could that could kind of frustrate City here and kind of no matter what Pep, Pep Guardiola says and the Man City fans kind of really want a local derby the holy grail for this City group of players is next week and I think just there is a possibility that their focus might be a couple of percentage points off and that could kind of work in United's favour to make this kind of a closer game than, than on paper it should be just if if you the angle I liked here actually was City to win an extra time, that's actually currently eleven point zero on the exchange. I think and just the reason I like this, the draw is currently trading at four point eight. So the implied odds, if the game goes to extra time, that with City would be a two point three shot to win an extra time, and that kind of feels quite big to me. I think. If, if this game goes to extra time, the likelihood is City will have crushed United in the last kind of 20, 25 minutes and United will be clinging on. There's a possibility United could have a red card. So I, I just think, all talk, I think City uh, City will go off short in 2.3 in extra time if it went to a draw and added into the fact that you've Phil Foden, Julian, Julian Alvarez and Ria Maris come off the bench, whereas United really only have Garnacho as a kind of a as a kind of a high quality bench option. So I think if you're looking to get with City, I think that 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 to me looks kind of an attractive price. Um, in terms of bet builder, like the lads, it's kind of the Bernardo Silva one just just kind of stands out like a sore thumb. He's fourteen fouls in his last five matches, and we often really see kind of a spikier Silva in, in these kind of in, in these bigger matches. So yeah, him to have two plus fouls at two point four looks more than fair to me. And it is worth bearing in mind that if you place a five pound bet builder on the FA Cup final, you get a five pound free bet to use on bet builders. T's and C's in the description. Eighteen plus. See gambleaware.org. In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the halftime break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all important halftime break. Or deposit limits. 
to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Final weekend of the Serie A season, so let's dig into that. Jake, Roma will try and lift themselves after their Europa League final heartbreak against Sevilla. I think we were all heartbroken by how bad that final was, even if we weren't surprised necessarily. Uh, Roma really could do with a home win over Spezia just to make sure they qualify for the Europa League next season. Yeah, that's required. Um, And obviously Spezia are in a little bit of a battle of their own, aren't they, at the other end of the table where um, they have to equal Verona's results to survive. Um, So yeah, it's quite a big game. And I, I, I... I know we're a bit down on Roma after the performance in, in the week, but I think the price of a home win is pretty big given the, the data that they put up, particularly um, in, in Rome this season. Um, you know, th- this is this is must win. I mean, they have to go into this thinking Juventus will win at Unese in the final day um, to, you know, if Roma were to lose or draw and Juventus win, then all of a sudden they're back in the Europa Conference League. And I don't think that's something that Jose Mourinho would want, whether he stays or not. Um, so this, this it feels like must win for Roma um, to get back into the Europa League at home this season. Won ten, drawn three, lost five. Um, their XG actually is very strong, uh, particularly at the back. 0.91 expected goals against per home game. Uh, nearly 1.7 expected goals for per game. So they've got the sixth best home process in the division. Uh, and taking on Spezia, who you know they do need a win, but away from home they're really poor. They've lost 11 of 18. Um, and like what the guys were saying. Last week with the final day of the Premier League, you know, you basically you're getting probably a slightly shorter price on a team that doesn't win very often just because they have to win. Um, and that to me is something that we can oppose. And, and I do think Roma, for all the you know, the kind of dour football that they play, they are a big price to be a team that are a relegation candidate. Um uh, 2.04 is what we're getting on the exchange currently. Um, I'm happy to have a little play on them. I know that there might be a bit of a hangover. Um, there might be some tired legs, but I do think they've just got more quality uh, and they'll go into that game knowing that, that it's must win effectively. So I, I was happy to have a little uh, a little bit on them. I do think that there'd be odds on at the very least, maybe around the 1.85 mark. So there's a, a decent chunk of, uh, of value in my opinion there. And delighted to say that now Jake's back, we can return to the doctor's prescription where Jake digs into the data uh, to find a bet. He's done one in Italy. Jake, what have you got for us? This is from the Friday night game, Sassuolo v Fiorentina. Now, Fiorentina play West Ham in the Europa Conference League final. They've got nothing to play for domestically. So I'm fully expecting them to do a bit of resting and a bit of rotating ahead of that match. Um, so it's, it's a pro Sassuolo kind of pick. And um, Domenico Berardi is 17 to 10 to score any time. He's averaged 0.51 expected goals uh, per 95 minutes this season, which co- comfortably leads Sassuolo. Um, and yeah, he's netted five times in the last six matches, scored in three of the last four. Um, but yet, you know, Pinamonti's there. He's 11 to 8 to score any time. He's only averaged 0.28 expected goals per 95 minutes. So there's a big gulf there between... Uh, the quality of chances that Berardi is seeing and the quality of chances that Pimonti is seeing and the difference in price is just huge. Um, so I'm happy to take Berardi um, in what is a free-scoring, attack-minded attack Sassuolo team against a Fiorentina side with nothing to play for. 
Berardi, always a dangerous player in attack. Now, it's not just cup final weekend in England. That's also the case in Germany. RB Leipzig hoping to retain the trophy by beating an Eintracht Frankfurt side that won it in 2018, made the final in 2017, won the Europa League last season. Emmett, these are two teams that know how to win a cup tie. Definitely, yeah. I think it's it's kind of an interesting game. They're kind of a, it's a, it's kind of as well. One of the factors I'd probably take into account is this Oliver Glasner's kind of last match match for Eintracht. He's had a kind of interesting career arc, going from kind of being one of the most kind of highly rated managers in Germany as recently as probably around Christmas time, and and but kind of things have taken a turn for Eintracht's league form, and their kind of league form has petered out, and he's actually leaving the club at the end of the year. But as you said, I think he's he's kind of shown clearly that he's that he can be very effective in these one-off games, as we saw in, in the Europa League last year when they kind of knocked out a kind of a much fancied uh, Barcelona team and kind of and I think they I think that they've shown against kind of um, strong opposition the Bundesliga that they're well able to kind of punch above their weight I remember in particular them, them having an excellent performance at the at the Allianz Arena with kind of yeah. Colin, Colin Wally to the four um, usually with kind of cup finals like we mentioned with the FA Cup final you you can kind of you, you could have worried about the finals being cagey um, but I just I think just the nature of these two teams I can't I, I find that very hard to see that see that so I was looking at kind of an over goals bet like both teams to score and over two and a half goals has clicked and for these teams last five matches and I think I think like one point point eight is probably I think a bigger price you can get in this kind of standard Bundesliga match on this like at the, as you'd expect at the upper end of German football both these sides average over three goals per game and there's some really kind of potent attacking players for on, on both sides with them um, in Kunku back in really good goal scoring form yeah. obviously Colin Manny for Eintracht and um, Dominic Sabaslai I think is probably potentially done, done, done enough to get a kind of, kind of move in the summer he's taking a real step forward and potentially I think could be kind of one of these players that could be regarded as one of the best one of the best attacking forwards in Europe and in a few, in a few years time I rate him very highly and he's kind of rare vision I would say for kind of a, a wide player and rare passing ability as well as obviously being a superb shot from distance and having great kind of dead ball dead ball delivery if you're looking for something as well I think a bigger price uh, in Konku and in Colo Mani uh, both to score at 11 to 2 I think that's kind of a nice enough price on when they play both of these players would have kind of one of the highest percentage of their team's goals in the Bundesliga both players are in excellent form and Konku did us a nice favour for kind of podcast listeners last week so yeah, I, I think this in what should be kind of a very entertaining game. I, 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 I like a smaller man on that. Yeah, and Kunku scored twice in that game against Schalke last week, and that was a five to one winner, Emmett, was it not? I do believe. Yeah, yeah lovely stuff. Uh, this football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. They're wrapping up in Spain this weekend too with an absolutely crazy end to the relegation battle. And Mark, you've got a pick that relates to that survival scrap. Yeah, um, so no prices yet, um, but it's a bet I want to be involved with, or possibly two bets. Um, when Valladolid take on Getafe, um, to me, is it it's 10 to... yellow cards for Getafe? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've got to be attacking cards in this in this fixture. Um, I'm basically looking for a red card to be offered at, at nine to four or bigger. 
So if you can do the honours, please, Emmett, um, (laughs) I'll be getting involved. And if you can be so kind and give us an option to back both teams to receive a red card, uh, something like 25 to 1 or more, um, I'll happily get involved. Because um, as you say, Kev, this relegation battle, it's quite insane, actually, in La Liga. Unfortunately, we lost Espanyol last week. Um, They conceded a stoppage time goal, or it could have been completely chaotic coming into Sunday. Even still, we've got six teams who could still be relegated, six sides separated by two points going into this final day. Now, two of those six teams meet, which is Valladolid and Getafe. Um, Valladolid start the weekend in the bottom three. Getafe are just two points better off. Uh, put simply, um, whoever wins this match will stay up, regardless of what happens elsewhere. Uh, but it's not quite winner takes all because a, a draw will see Getafe safe, but Valladolid will still go down with a draw unless Al Maria lose away at Espanyol who, as I say, were relegated last week. So it gets a bit complicated. But basically, if either team win, they survive. So really fascinating picture. Um, You can just imagine the pressure, the intensity, the gamesmanship that might be on show in this fixture, because, of course, now we have the the great Jose Bordelas back in charge of Getafe. Uh, All the dark arts are back. Um, And, yeah, he's had a really good reaction from his players since kind of returning to the hot seat. And... uh, you know, they're going to be pulling out all the stops really to make this match an absolute minefield for Vidalid. So fully expecting frustration, anger, all the usual emotions to come out in this kind of fixture. It will be quite intense. And, you know, I expect things to boil over at some point as we reach uh, close to 90 minutes because these two teams together have collected 15 red cards this season in La Liga. In their matches, there's been 24 red cards across 74 La Liga games. Five of those fixtures actually saw both teams receive a red card. And the referee here is uh, Jose Luis Munera Montero, who is averaging 5.82 cards and 65 points booking points across 17 league matches this season. He has flashed eight red cards in that 17-game sample, and twice already he's delivered a red card for both sides, one of which involved Getafe. He's actually refereed Getafe or Valladolid four times this season with a red card landing in two of those four fixtures. He's given Getafe 12 yellows and a red across two games and Valladolid <laughs> six yellows and a red in two matches too. So, yeah, got to pull, put it all in the in the, uh, in the the pot and uh, absolutely won back a red card. I know on the market right now, we're getting close to 3.5. So uh, if Emmett would like to oblige and happily we'll put uh, nominate that bet as a as a best bet, but uh, also have a look out for both teams to receive a red card if you can get a decent price. No pressure, Emmett, but Mark will be watching and it seems like there will be blood in that game between Valladolid and Hitafe. Jake, you've got a, a slightly gentler game uh, in mid-table for us. Um, it's not actually as ge- as gentle as you might think, because both Osasuna and Girona are in with a chance of finishing seventh, which would see Europa Conference League football. Um, I think it'd be remarkable for either of them to get in there, to be fair, ahead of uh, the likes of Bilbao, Sevilla, obviously lower down the table, you've got big clubs like Valencia. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting this to be, again, quite fiery, another one to look at for cards with um, quite a lot on the line. But also, I think it could be quite entertaining from a goals perspective um, because, well, A, it involves Girona and B, it involves Girona. So, um, yeah, th- there should be quite a lot of, uh, of goal mouth action. Uh, Girona have seen both teams to score in 70% of their matches in the wow. league this season. Um, and away from home, they've averaged 1.4 expected goals for per game and 1.8 expected goals against per game. So chances galore when they travel. Um, the fact that they are currently ninth and in need of a win to um, take over Osasuna and they would need a bit of help from Bilbao um, with them failing to, to get a result. But 
the fact that they are the, the team on the outside of things suggests that they do have to go for it a little bit. And I think that that will, will play into their hands because they're a strong attacking unit. Uh, but it also give Osasuna great opportunities to to cause them problems as well. Um, and Osasuna, general XG process isn't great, but when they play at home, they are very strong. Um, they're averaging just just shy of 1.6 expected goals for per game, but as well are uh, conceding 1.3 expected goals against per game. So um, again, you can see that there's, there's quite a few chances at either end when they play at their home base. So I'm taking both teams to score 1.82. Um, which looks um, very appetising in what is quite a high-stakes game for for two sides that perhaps weren't expected to be in this kind of position. Um, and when when we do get card lines, maybe throw in both teams to score and both teams to have a card just to bump up the price, you might get even money there. Um, but at this moment in time, we don't. So just taking BTTS. Now, worth bearing in mind that Osasuna, of course, reached the Copa del Rey final and gave Real Madrid a hell of a game in that. Mark, elsewhere, Mallorca against Rio Vallecano. Yeah, so La Liga comes to a close on Sunday, as does the refereeing career in Spain of the very famous or, or infamous or controversial, charismatic, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> Matteo Lajos. Um, Biggest he will show be... off in European football, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he'll be taking charge of this fixture on Sunday. Now, there's conflicting reports on whether he is retiring or not, but basically the National Committee of Referees in Spain has decided not to extend his contract. There's been quite a lot of chaos and controversy around him this season. He won't be officiating in Spain anymore. He is only 46, so he might go elsewhere, but um, that's why there's a kind of doubt or question mark over his uh, career, really, whether this is retirement or not. But anyway, judging by his more recent matches, he will be looking to sign off without any paperwork at all to file after the game, because for a referee so wedded to kind of overs and high card counts throughout his career he's gone a little bit soft recently um so he's overseen 19 La Liga games this season he's brandished a maximum of three cards on 10 occasions including five of his last six now what's even more interesting is Lahoz has only returned or has returned I should say two zero card games in his last three fixtures ah. uh, as well as uh, four zero card games across the whole 19 fixtures all season in Spain so a zero card game is is almost unheard of in Spain, irrespective of, irrespective of the occasion uh, or the referee. But uh, before this season, you had to go back to the last fixture of 2014-15 for the last zero card game involving La Hoz. Um, so that's eight years ago. Uh, this season, he's already done it four times, including two of the last three. So um, I think it has to be worth another look on Sunday. Um, we don't have any prices yet, again, I should say, but um, the last two times it's occurred, if you backed under 0.5 cards for both teams on the bet builder, it was giving you a price of 150 to one. Wow. Um, and it's landed, <laughs> it's landed twice in the last three weeks. So um, I've no idea if we'll get close to those prices again. Uh, again, just asking Emmett to be kind and generous, but um, <laughs> I think it's definitely worth a look. If you can get anything like 50 to one or bigger, uh, it's well worth an interest because uh, Lahoz has been, not himself in recent weeks. So the caveat here is Mallorca are absolutely filthy. Uh, they love a bit of the dirty stuff and they will rough Rio up from the off. Um, and Rio still have a chance of qualifying for Europe. So in terms of a matchup, it, it could have been better. Um, but uh, if you want to play it safe, the card line will probably be about 4.5. You should be able to get unders at a reasonable price there, which is obviously a much more uh, solid selection. But um, as it's the last show of the domestic season, um, 150 to 1. Emmett's look very sheepish in this La Liga section of the show. He's just sending out alerts. So Hare's found some massive prices. Make sure we don't put those up. 
Uh, et maintenant, les matchs de la Liga, nous avons très sélection pour vous. Basically, it's time for Liga. Uh, Emmett, we're going to start with the champions that nobody seems to like, Paris Saint-Germain, up against Clermont. Yeah, this is kind of um, similar logic to, to l l last week's podcast when we were kind of when I was tipping up tipping up in Konku and kind of Harry Kane to hit um, hit milestones and kind of both both obliged to kind of score to score two plus goals at decent prices. Um, Mbappe is one goal ahead of Alexander Lacazette in the league on top top goal score race, and he needs two goals to get to thirty goals. Which, as as I said last week, to you or me, scoring thirty goals in a season, why should that matter more than scoring twenty nine to these kind of competitive athletes? I, I, I definitely think it does mean something. It means quite a lot to me to score twenty nine goals in Liga. Exactly. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the and just as well, PSG wrapped up wrapped up the league last week. So there's kind of they don't really they don't really have anything to play for. Um, they're they're short as they're 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 extremely short price here as well to beat Claremont at home. So I think we can expect PSG to score a few goals. And in Lionel Messi's last match, I think he'll do he'll do his best to set to set up Mbappe to score just to score a couple of goals here and secure that thirty and on the top goal score slot. Mbappe is currently two point eight to score uh, two plus goals in the sports, but that's fair. I'd, I'd look in the exchange, maybe see if you can get two to one or better pre match. That's definitely a bet. I think it's definitely probably having worth having kind of a, a slightly smaller stake on the hat trick here. It's six to one in the sports book, but I'd say again you might be able to get better in the exchange. Jake, you had an angle here, didn't you? Exactly the same, yeah. I got Mbappe to score two or more for the exact reasons that um, Emmett has, has highlighted, yeah. Um, he scored nine in his last seven. He scored three braces in that time, so it's a bet that's landed quite frequently, um, given that he's been chasing this gong. Uh, yeah, and they play a Clermont side who, you know, they finished the season pretty strongly, but generally away from home, they have shipped the chances around one and a half expected goals against per game, so... Um, PSG should be in party mood and Mbappe can take advantage. And you've got another French fancy as well, Jake, haven't you? Yeah, I'm, I like the look of goals in uh, Brest versus Rennes. Um, Rennes have to equal Monaco's result to secure fifth, which would, uh, I think, is it Europa League football or Conference League football um, for fifth place in France? Europa League, Europa Conference League. Um, yeah, and they could actually overtake Lille, who play at Troyes, which would see them going to the Europa League. So it's a pretty big game for Rennes. Um, yeah, they, they you know, they, there's obviously a chance that they could miss out altogether. So I fully expect them to be on it here. They're finishing the season very strongly. They've won four of the last five. Um, but their away process has not been very good over the course of the season. It's marginally positive, but it does see chances at both ends. You're looking at 1.4 expected goals for and expected goals against per game when traveling. Um, and Brest have, have really finished with a flourish. They're one of the rare teams that aren't playing for anything, but are just cruising and, and really racking up the results. They've, they've won six, drawn three of the last 10, uh, and they've scored in all bar one of the, those matches. And, and I think that they'll want to finish with a, a bit of a bang in front of the home crowd, maybe upset Ren. So I like the look of both teams to score, which is around 1.82 on the exchange. Um, yeah, Ren have to go for it at some stage um, because the, the likelihood is that Monaco will um, will be in front against Toulouse uh, and Lille will be in front against Troyes. So, yeah, the, the, out of the three matches, this looks the toughest for for the teams that are chasing that that spot. So uh, I fully expect them to have to have a go and, and leave themselves a little bit exposed. 
Nantes reached the final of the Coupe de France, were absolutely battered in that game, and now could go down. So it's all going well for them. Emmett, are they going to survive? Um, I think this this is a, this is a really interesting game. I, I so the the scenario here is that Nantes not need to win to have a chance to avoid avoid relegation and hope that Auxerre don't beat a kind of a very good Lons team at home. Um, what's the? I think it was it was interesting earlier in the season. I think like. Um, it was nearly it was nearly an even shot for every podcast that somebody be tipping against Angers because they, they, they were the they were the worst they were the worst team in France by a considerable margin over the season. But as can happen, they've actually played a bit more freedom and a bit better in recent months as their kind of re- relegation has been confirmed. Angers have scored twelve goals in their last nine matches. Doesn't sound like anything special. An average of one point three three goals per game. But if you compare that to fifteen goals in their previous twenty eight, an wow. average of a of a horrific point five three goals per game. That is a significant improvement. And I was actually seeing both teams to score in eight of Angers' last nine matches. With some kind of with some strong opposition there, like Lille, Marseille, PSG, and Ron, uh, with Nantes having to win, I think it should give Angers opportunity to score in the break. And I think it's both teams to score here. One ninety five looks very looks very fair here. And I'd also I'd probably push. I never thought I'd say this. A speculative bet on Angers to win at ten point zero on the exchange. The reasoning here is. Nantes have just been abysmal in the last part of the season. They have zero wins in their last 14 league matches. They have four losses in their last five matches. Angers have been a better team than Nantes in the last kind of part of the season. And I can't have Nantes short as kind of 136er. That's that whole motivation thing again, isn't it? But, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Nantes have been, as Emmett says, incredibly poor to Belgium. Yes, Belgium, and an absolutely fascinating title race, Mark. This has been so, so close. Yeah, it has. Um, it's um, going into the final weekend. There's three teams who can win the title, and two of them are facing off against each other. So uh, Antwerp are top of the table right now. Union Saint-Gervais are level on points with them, and Genk are in third, just one point behind those two teams. Now, Genk host Antwerp this weekend. And uh, Union Saint-Gervais uh, play at home to Club Brugge. So Antwerp will win the title if they win away at Genk. If they drop points, Union Saint-Gervais uh, will obviously need to better their results to uh, take the title. But if they trip up at home to Club Brugge and Genk do the business at home to Antwerp, they could win the title as well. So, yeah, quite a thrilling finale to have three teams uh, in with a chance. Um, Belgium all season has been quite fun to follow in terms of goal-heavy outputs and uh yeah i'm expecting something similar on sunday considering the circumstances and considering what's at stake here um, there's no real reason why these two teams should be playing for a point because uh, a point won't probably be good enough for either of them because uh, i'd expect sanja was to do the business against club brugger who have improved it should be said since scott parker was sacked unsurprisingly but um yeah these two teams know where the back of the net is anyway uh kink have been great fun to follow uh, half of their actual regular season games went over three and a half goals, which kind of goes to show what kind of team they are. Um, over three and a half goals um, is uh, about seven to five, two point four for this match. But we can engineer an even money price by backing over two and a half goals, both teams to score, and a goal in both halves, which does really appeal to me. Uh, four of Genk's five playoff games have featured over two and a half. Four or five have seen both teams scoring. Antwerp have seen BTTS in three of five. They've scored in four or five and kept just one clean sheet in the playoffs as well. And um, yeah, if you look at the three meetings between the pair this season, uh, two in the regular season, one in the playoffs, 
we have an XG average of 3.2. We have 4.5 big chances created on average as well. Uh, and this selection has won twice in those three fixtures too. So I think even money, considering the circumstances, it should be uh, really exciting, very entertaining, and there should be goals. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so popular that the Netflix special featuring George Clooney as Mark, Ryan Gosling as Jake, and Colin Farrell as Emmett uh, is out very soon indeed. Of course, I'm gorgeous enough to play myself. Uh, How this works, by the way, is that each of the guys comes up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action and lovely traders like Emmett there wrap them up in a boosted treble for you. Jake, seeing as you're back after a... A long break. I'm going to start with you. I'm going to take a bet that I mentioned earlier. The both teams to score in Osasuna Girona. I just think it's um, it's slightly overpriced, and given the you know the fact that both teams need a result, uh, I can see it getting a little bit out of hand and, and being quite a few goals at either end. Emmett. The chunky price, but I'll go for the Mbappe to score two plus goals when I'm, I'm actually very confident of this, and it'll give us a nice boost to our end of season treble. Lovely stuff. George Clooney, take us home. <laughs> um, I'll go BTTS as well. I'll take that uh, gank against Antwerp match. Now the moment you've all been waiting for. Make the most of this because it's the last one until next season. It is Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch. <laughs> Escort watch. Mark, the floor is yours. Yeah, so um, it's not just FA Cup final weekend, it's the Scottish Cup final as well. Um, here we have uh, Celtic playing Inverness, which will be the um, most lopsided Scottish Cup final probably in history, really, with Celtic around 1.15 to win the match in 90 minutes, which is an implied percentage of 87%. Um, quite understandable too, considering they are the Scottish Premiership champions chasing another treble. I think it might be their sixth in this century alone. Um, they lost just once in the Premiership before the title was confirmed. They met Rangers six times this season. Five of those fixtures were meaningful. Celtic won four of those five, including twice at Hampden Park in cup competitions. They are Scotland's strongest team by a stretch right now. That might change over the summer with Postacoglu being linked with Spurs quite heavily recently. But uh, right now... What do you make of that, Mark? Because you've seen a fair bit of Celtic. Could he do well in the Premier League? He certainly plays attractive football. I'd love to see him given the opportunity. I'd be surprised... Well, I am surprised that he's being linked with Tottenham because... They haven't got anybody left. <laughs> they haven't, nobody no. But, uh, said no so far. I would have assumed someone like Brendan Rodgers or even Graham Potter or, or even Steve Cooper might be kind of higher up on the on the list. But uh, Spurs' managerial search is, <laughs> is odd at best, shall we say. But yeah, no, I, I think he can make a difference. Um, I think he can make the step up. He does play attractive football, but also effective football. And he's the kind of character which you... He's a leader um, and he speaks... Yeah he's got huge authority in the way he speaks and delivers his message. Um, quite a simple speaker, but um, he's quite an impressive guy, actually. And I think his track record, the way in which he's risen to to where he is right now is, is incredibly impressive. Uh, did great work with Japan, obviously um, led Australia to the World Cup and, and kind of um, achieved things beyond what was anticipated throughout his career. So, um, and the way in which he kind of turned Celtic back around from, you know, being a bit of a ramshackle, really, um, when Stephen Gerrard and Rangers won the... Scottish Premiership to where they are now is, is incredibly impressive, especially what they achieved in Champions League football too. I know they failed to get out of that group, but the, the way in which they went about their business and went toe-to-toe with some of the big teams, even Real Madrid, for example, in that first fixture at Parkhead was 
very impressive. So I, I, I'm love to see him in the Premier League. Um, we'll see how he goes on. But um, yeah, Celtic have been kind of resting, rotating in the last couple of weeks with the cup final in mind. But last week they went full strength against Aberdeen at Parkhead and they won the game five 0 um, which was a very impressive tune-up for this fixture. Uh, looks pretty ominous uh, for an Inverness team who, if anyone weren't aware, are actually in the Scottish Championship, so they're in the second tier. They're in mid-table as well. Um, they knocked out two Scottish Premiership teams en route to Kilmarnock and Livingston, but they played Falkirk in the semis, who are in the third tier, actually. So um, quite a gentle semi-final, if you like. But uh, they missed out on the Scottish Championship playoffs, which means they could be quite undercooked coming into this match. So their season ended on the 5th of May, which is almost a full month before this fixture. They haven't played a competitive game since, so that's quite concerning. And Celtic are notorious for their fast starts, and they're not going to exactly um, be too generous, I don't think, this weekend. So Celtic are 1.15 to win the game in 90 minutes. I found a way to back them at 2.4. It requires three different legs to cop, but I think it's got a very strong chance. So that is Celtic to lead at halftime. Celtic minus one handicap and BTTS no, which comes in at 2.4, which I think is a fantastic price. You're effectively backing Celtic to win 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, 5-0 uh, and to be leading at half time, which is entirely plausible considering they led at half time in 63% of their premiership matches. They're up against uh, a middling championship team who managed four clean sheets since mid-October in the championship, four clean sheets in 26, uh, all of which were achieved on home soil as well. So, yeah, Celtic should be winning this game at a canter. Now, um, Culture Corner for the last time. Uh, I don't think you can mention this match without making reference to the famous Inverness Cup win away at Celtic in February 2000. Inverness, Cali Thistle were a first division club. They'd only been in the SPFL for six years. Um, they won the Scottish Cup um, third round game against Celtic at Parkhead in one what was one of the biggest upsets in the history of the Cup. Probably Celtic's worst ever defeat. Um, they're already trailing Rangers by 10 points, but um, that was the time the board basically made the move to sack John Barnes in his debut season in charge. But uh, the result basically gave birth to the greatest ever newspaper headline we've ever seen, really. Uh, the Scottish Sun ran with the headline, Super Cali Go Ballistic Celtic are atrocious, which was just genius, genius work. And uh, while we're on Inverness, they're managed by Billy Dodds, the former striker of Rangers and Aberdeen, amongst many others. They have won the co competition recently in 2015, became the first Highland side to do that or to win a major honour in Scotland. They only formed in 1994 um, after a merger between two of the three Highland teams in their area and granted a spot in the Division Three at the time following an expansion. So they're quite lucky to even be in the league in the first place uh, about 20, 30 years ago. They had a rapid rise since then, uh, competed in the top two tiers quite regularly. But uh, my favourite bit of Inverness County Thistle trivia could be some of the best Scott Watch content we've ever had, actually, because it centres oh, around it centres around uh, three of their previous mascots. Um, everyone loves mascot content anyhow, but uh, the first Inverness Caledonia Thistle mascot was called iCat, which was a play on the initials of Inverness Cali Thistle and was de designed by um, a winning drawing in a competition amongst Inverness school children, uh, basically a cat, which was called iCat. Um, lovely little story. Then we moved on to Super Sub, which was a submarine sandwich in a superhero costume. Whoa, hang because... on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> what do you mean? A right, as in a, right, a, a sandwich, literally a, a, a sandwich as a mascot. Yeah. Effectively. Okay. Why were they had, had a mascot, which was a sandwich? Their shirt sponsors were Subway. Um, ah, okay. 
So then and they the had to count that. corporate truth is revealed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they had to cancel that after the sponsorship ended. It ended. Uh, now we have Nessie, for obvious reasons, the Loch Ness Monster. But Nessie has recently been re- rebranded as uh, as Lionel Nessie. Uh, in, oh, wonderful! In reference to the greatest ever player, of course. So we've had iCat, Super Sub, and Lionel Nessie. So is Lionel Nessie much shorter than Nessie was? Presumably. <laughs> I think he's exactly the same guy, but he's just got a new name. So, um, but yeah, if you can give me three better mascots from a single club, um, I'd be surprised if you can beat those three. Uh, well, Chaddy the Owl, I was always a big fan of, to be honest. And uh, the horrific Kingsley, uh, who we've talked about many, many times. But yes, excellent Scott Watch content there to wrap up the show. And that's all we have time for, sadly, on this edition of Football Only Best. And please do remember to gamble responsibly. Just the one show this week. So you're all cool, kids. Congratulations for that. No dweebs this week. We're going to have a full and forensic Champions League final preview next week, including a live report uh, from Istanbul ahead of the big clash between Manchester City and Inter. From Mark, from Jake, from Emmett and from me. It's goodbye for now.